Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to begin today's broadcast by reading to you a prophetic word or a word of knowledge instruction that came many years ago that seems to be kind of fitting into where we are today. So I have that lined up for us. But before I get there, let me just say my greetings to everyone out there. The Lord bless you, and let's see if I did this right. I hope I did. I hope I did. Let's see if we have it all here, and I'm pretty sure we're doing okay. Where did we go? And did I lose? I may have lost something here, but I guess we're going to be okay. So good morning, Mark. By the way, Mark, while you're out there, I don't know if you got the message uh, the other day. We were talking about <clears throat> starting Bible studies across the country <clears throat> and around the world, maybe starting in Mexico. And so a sister came up to me last night who's from Mexico and said, I heard your program about that gentleman in Mexico. We going to start a Bible study? <laughs> so I just wanted you to know that if you ever want to do that, I know the perfect guy for you. You guys would bounce things off like crazy. Uh, both real students of many different things. But anyways, he and his wife (laughs) would be a couple we'd bring down there with us. So anytime Mexico is ready for a Bible study, you let us know, okay? Beyond that, I got to find what I just did. I think I lost, where did I go here? I think I lost a lot of different things. Hold on a second. We're behind schedule. I'm going to have to do this, and we'll go here. 
boy, did we we got thrown off today. Mamma mia. And so let's open these microphones up on Omega Radio. So Omega Radio, we're ready to go there. And let's find out what happened with uh, that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. There you are. There you are. And uh, where's the other one out here? There we go. All right. We are back on track on this Thursday morning. Praise God. Serious day, actually. A lot of spiritual activity going on and things we want to talk about. Uh, See, good good morning to uh, Kevin. Kevin Hauger's out there. Morning, Pastor. I'm hoping for a continuance of teaching. Well, we're going to get into some real teaching today. Uh, Live in Mexico. Hello, Mark. God bless you again. Uh, David Ellison is with us this morning, Oasis of the Remnant. Melissa Fletcher is with us from South Dakota. And we see that Cindy's with us today and the rest of uh, our friends that are making their way over to the broadcast. Carol Carey is now from Virginia calling in. Good morning to Carol Carey. Praise the Lord. So here we go. I'm going to read this. And hopefully uh, this will come through nice and nice. And here it is. All right, so we take a sip of water. What an unusual start to our day. Maybe because of the content. It's quite possible that the content we're going to be sharing this morning is uh, we need to be very balanced, very, very balanced. Uh, We have to always know that there are some wonderful things going on in the world in which we live, and there's no doubt about that. And there are good things. And God has always revealed to us that in the midst of judgment, there's always a opportunity for God's people to advance in their cause. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go today, that when Father God was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, that Abraham was on a mountaintop and he was journeying in the eternal purpose of God. Amen. So whatever goes on in this world, there has to be balance. There always has to be opportunity in the midst of a crisis. And that is where we get that Greek word kairos in the kairos moment of God. So in other words, stay balanced in our thinking. We're going to work this thing through. We need to understand it biblically and spiritually, and we need the truth of God to help us by the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Laquita is calling in this morning. Good morning. I'm so grateful for these anointed teachings. Praise God. Thank you. I do pray for the anointing right now to engage us as we move forward. Uh, Brother Mark is saying, y tu tambian amigo. Well, utun tumbayan to you too. <laughs> Brother Mark. Now, I know that's a good thing. That's like a tambian. Bien is a good thing. So good morning. Good day. Praise the Lord. And I thank you so much for that. Sarah Ankerman, all the way from San Diego, is calling in right now or is in the chat room. Good morning to you, Sarah. God bless you. By the way, we had last night, we gathered together at New Wine Ministry for our Wednesday night Bible study. And we went into chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. Yesterday we were in chapter 18. So we did a full-blown Bible study in Revelation 19, and it was wonderful I believe we had a pretty decent time with it. It was, um, it was good. It cut to the quick, and uh, it, it's a future revelation or an unveiling of the future of maybe your life and my life that John actually heard um, and saw the things that were written in Revelation 19. So keep that in mind as we go as well. 
Um, <clears throat> Mark is already hitting us with Kairos means holy or God-given time. That's right, time laden with meaning and choice. Kairos signals a time of crises and new possibilities, a time of repentance, renewal, and decisive action. Boy, are we in a Kairos moment right now. Opportunity in the midst of a crisis. And, and, and that's so important that we stay minded that in the midst of a crisis, there's opportunity for God's people. Again, Abraham up on a mountain, journeying along in the eternal purpose, Sodom and Gomorrah not faring so well. So here we go. I'm going to read to you a letter that was basically written about these days that we're living in right now. And you be the judge. Here we go. The Lord showed in a very sober way that the White House, the Capitol building, and the President of the United States are coming under a severe attack. The inhabitants of Washington, D.C. will run through the streets, as did the inhabitants of New York City on 9-11. The Lord has put a hook in the mouth of terrorist organizations that are here in the United States to carry out an assassination plot, and to detonate bombs in Washington, D.C. A massive explosion will take place in Washington, D.C., and life will not be the same. I am shocked that the Congress of the United States would pass bills that are yet contrary to the mind and will of God. God will remove the man that has power to veto the bills, that are the will of the majority in this hour. The will of the majority in Congress will pass and the judgment will strike. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to share an article with you out of the Prophecy News Watch that is, uh, it shared a story about Mr. Stube, I believe his name was, S-T-O-E-B-E. He was on uh, Newsmax last night um, being interviewed by Chris Salcedo. He was the gentleman that stood before the house the other day, and he brought Bible verses to tell them that this bill that they wanted to pass would not be a wise thing to do. And Jerry Nadler and some of the other far-left Democrats condemned him uh, incredibly by saying, we don't take scriptures. They have no place in this house, in Congress. That was an outspoken tone, and it was a reality. So I'm reading this about how shocked it is, it is that the Congress would respond to the things of God the way that they have. And just in the last 48 hours, there's been another uh, shocking revelation coming out of Congress and outspoken, the word of God has no place in this house. It's very powerful. There will be a revolution in Israel as the seed of Phineas says no more. The Jews in America will understand the attacks against the United States. That's what this prophetic letter is basically declaring. I remain awed by the fact that the unredeemed men in high places are tempting God in this matter. These are evil men and women who have their own agenda and have forgotten the agenda of God. The wild man in the earth, Ishmael, is running loose 
through the streets of America. He is shopping at the same stores, driving the same cars, and is concealed by outward facade. That facade is being removed, and the true nature of, of this beast is manifesting. God has put it into their heart to destroy, and you may take issue with that, but if you read in the book of Revelation 17 and 18, you'll see that God actually puts a thought into the mind of the ten kings to destroy Mystery Babylon and burn her with fire. It's God who puts the thought in their mind. So God has put it into their hearts to destroy. What we call terrorism and or terrorists have been ordained by God to tear down, uproot, and destroy America in its present condition as a rebellious sodomite nation that's carrying all the detail and the DNA of Babylon So terrorists are not bothered by so-called revivals in America. They are not moved by Christians rallying together for America, for they have been commissioned by God to attack and destroy. All the fasting, praying, and gathering on behalf of America is short-sighted and misguided. All of this activity has not prevented abominable bills from being passed. The mountain of evil that is rising in the land will suddenly emerge, and the will of the adversary, Satan, shall be accomplished as far as worldly things are concerned. The only true praying and fasting that will avail anything is the preparation of the body of Christ for this hour of judgment that is coming upon the whole earth. So, there's an article that came along with this. <clears throat> and it's, it's just take a couple of moments. In the beginning of all things, God created, designed, and decorated the universe. He created the stars, the moon, the sun, as well as the heaven and the earth. Oh, what majesty was in his creation. For five days, he filled the earth with all good things. Then on the sixth day, he created and designed a man after his likeness and after his image and told the man to take the decorated earth and make it even better. Work it. Sin entered into the world, the decoration, the orderly arrangement, and defiled it and corrupted it. So much was the corruption that God chose a man named Noah to build an ark because he, God, was going to destroy the world the decoration, the orderly arrangement of things. As we know, the Lord God brought a flood into the world and destroyed every living thing. He destroyed the old decor. He brought forth Noah and his family into a new world, yet because of sin, the world has never been decorated properly, the original intent of the Father's heart. So the Lord has ordained a people to destroy the earth, the orderly arrangement, and present decoration of the world. How can anyone look at this world through the eyes of God and think it is good? God sees this world and its present decor and hates what he sees. He hates the abortion, the homosexual perversion, the lust, the unholy desire, the violence, and all of the corruption of sickness, disease, and death. This is not God's will. The world's present decor is ugly. God has ordained some men to tear down the present decor. Yes, what they call terrorists, as we call them, have a hook in their mouths, and they have been sent into the world to destroy it. They are now in America. They are going to begin 
to pull the strings that have the power to undo this nation in one day. God is going to overthrow the present decor by bringing total destruction to it. No one in their right mind of Christ can desire this present world to continue. The stench of filth is everywhere, and the smell of vomit flows through the streets of the world. The devil has no doubt spewed out of his mouth, and God also has vomited out and is vomiting out of his mouth the lukewarm Laodicean church in the earth today. Why are they called lukewarm? Because they are neither hot nor cold. There burns no holy passion to change the world. Even under the Old Testament, a man named Phineas had the guts or the holy passion to put an end to the curse that was prevailing in the camp of God. So he took a spear and thrust it through the Israelite man and the Canaanite woman. The plague of death stopped. God admired the man and said his seed would be blessed forever. The seed of Phineas is about to release in Israel while the Islamic terrorists backed by Russia are about to explode in wrath against the United States of America. Mark these words. It will not be long before the White House, the Capitol building, and all who are in Washington, D.C. will be hit with a ferocity they have never known could come. There will be an attack against the White House and the Capitol building and the inhabitants of Washington, D.C., And it will run through the streets, as did the inhabitants of New York City on 9-11. Washington, D.C. is near to collapse. The house shall fall. The nation shall go into a tailspin. That will cause it to face the reality of its demise. Yes, the time has come for a redecoration of the world. All right, so whether we like to hear that or even share that at this point, I believe within the theme of prophetic things, the foretellings or the predictions that come from God's heart and mind, that the day of accountability is coming upon our nation and the capital of our nation. And I believe that Washington, D.C. is set. And it's interesting today because today, if you are a Donald Trump supporter or you're a white Christian or a conservative Christian that believes in the Bible— Um, You are deranged. You are in need of uh, a reevaluation. You need to be de-radicalized because you are the domestic terrorist. And that's what those people on January 6th were called. They were called terrorists. And I find it absolutely hypocritical that on January 6th, when a uh, a loving crowd of a million people, more or less, gathered together, and were there to support their president, and how maybe a couple of hundred people acted up and went into the Capitol building, but the entire movement was condemned by the left, and even people on the right insisting that this was a mob, riot, unruly, and that all these people that were there were domestic terrorists. Well, that's not the truth at all. And if you had been there, you would know that that's just not the reality that happened on January 6th. January 6th, the 99.999% of the people that were in D.C. were very loving, very caring, very peaceful. They were there to support their president. They, the 99.99%, were not moved by the dictates of the president to go and do anything bad. And the people that actually went first 
were Antifa and BLM members. That is a reality. That is a fact. That is not just made up. That is the reality. And there's video to prove it. It's all out there, but it's ignored. But the idea is to put a blemish upon everybody that supported Donald Trump or is is a right wing and is now a domestic terrorist movement. And the hypocrisy, as you know, that we've talked about many times, the hypocrisy is the last year, you know, we're in March now, when we began to see the anarchy and civil disobedience break out within our nation with the death of George Floyd. And all of a sudden, we saw the powder keg explode in the United States of America. And we began to see cities on fire, police buildings torched, businesses broken into, burned to the ground. We saw people kicked in the head. People were killed. We saw people taking over cities, defecating on the city streets, setting up their camps, fighting, killing, burning, looting, destroying. And yet the left stood back and said nothing. Now it's very interesting that the few people that are still maintaining the true narrative that's being drowned out by the news media, who is insisting that the real bad guys were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, which is an absolute perverting of the truth, a twisting into a lie. That's a fact. And whether the FBI wants to hear it or the CIA or any other officials in Homeland Security, if you were there, you know what I'm saying is the truth. The 99.999, you saw no buildings burning. You saw no cars broken into. Whatever violence was happening was with the one point of a percentage of people that were inspired and instigated by Antifa and BLM. That is a fact. And you didn't see the million people or so that were really there doing any harm to anybody. That is a fact. And yet the narrative has been so twisted by a spirit of hypocrisy And yet that hypocritical narrative have struck fear in the heart of many people. And now they're afraid to talk. They're afraid to say anything. But listen, if you were there on January 6th in Washington, D.C., and were interconnected with the hundreds of thousands of people that were doing nothing but peacefully protesting better than what we saw in the last nine months, you know that what I'm saying is the truth. And the, and the news media took this moment of the few that went into the Capitol building. Well, wait a second. Weren't they invading buildings all over this country in the last year? Weren't they breaking into police and governmental facilities? Weren't they burning? Weren't they doing all of that? The answer is clearly yes. But here's the point. Complaining about it isn't going to do a thing. So God is saying prophetically, Washington, D.C. will not have one stone left upon another. The judgment that's going to hit Washington, D.C. is from the Lord. And whatever terrorist organization has the hook in their mouth, who's going to exercise God's will, and you know, biblically, that God will call for the Assyrian, and he'll bring the Assyrian against a hypocritical nation in Isaiah chapter 10. We cannot ignore this. This is how God does things. So God is going to inspire the mind of someone or some group to put an end to this hypocrisy. 
And that's exactly what happened in Isaiah chapter 10. I will raise him up or I will send him, the Assyrian, against a hypocritical nation, the people of my wrath. Now, why would the people in Washington, D.C. be considered the people of God's wrath? Because that is the federal government that is spawning laws of absolute evil, tearing down godly laws that sustain a society with a healthy mindset, and they are perverting, twisting, and polluting and corrupting our society through the laws that they are supporting and sending up. So there's going to be a judgment against that. People that promote abortion and homosexuality and bring bills now that are going to be godless in every way. The corruption is oozing. And so the forewarning is just simply going forth again, not only to Washington, D.C., but major cities across America are going to experience shutdown, lockdown. People will not be able to go out. People will not be able to come in. It is at the time of accountability. It is like Sodom and Gomorrah. And God warned through his apostles that anybody that does what Sodom and Gomorrah did will be visited with the same destruction. So again, you have a biblical narrative that is foretelling that the cities that are making war with God and acting up in their perverse lifestyle are going to have to endure the righteous judgment of God. And that righteous judgment is going to come from a people group, whoever they are. And again, Isaiah chapter 10, I will send him against a hypocritical nation. So high alert in the city of America today, high alert in the city of Washington, D.C. today, and rather, we would see God, people everywhere calling out to God for forgiveness and mercy and repentance. But we don't see that in our capital city. We see a hardcore rebellion that even Jerry Nadler would say, the word of God has no place in this house. I mean, folks, this is the outspoken leadership in Washington, D.C. saying God's word has no place here. The scriptures have no meaning here. Well, that's pretty hardcore evil, if you ask me. And so I believe that God is forewarning. And if you're a Christian living in Washington, D.C., and you've been an intercessor, you go to church, you need to be really praying right now about where you're going to live out the rest of your days in this country if you're going to remain in the United States of America. Now, remember, I told you at the beginning, this is uncomfortable and we always remember when the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was coming, Abraham, the covenant seed, was walking in the mountains, moving on, advancing in the eternal purpose of God. And even though these destructions, these devastations, these catastrophes, which I'm going to show you in just a moment, are right in the Bible, even though these catastrophes are coming, God's people, the covenant seed, will be walking in the realm of a higher spiritual reality in the mountains with Abraham, moving forward in the eternal purpose of God that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the catastrophe that is coming upon the cities of America and around the world are not to say that God's people aren't purposed to be here and to move out and to move in. As a matter of fact, I want to show you some scripture, and I want to begin in... Second uh, Peter chapter two. Let's go there. Second Peter chapter two, and Second Peter chapter two verse six simply says this. It's a it's one verse, 
but it's packed, okay? It's, it's packed with a lot of information. We read there, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. And that phrase there, into ashes, is the tefro, which literally means to incinerate, to consume, or turn to ashes. Now, you'll remember a few years ago, Homeland Security put out a documentary on the History Channel called The Day After Disaster, where Washington, D.C. was incinerated by a nuclear device. And over 20 times, Homeland Security put together this documentary, and over 20 times in that two-hour documentary showed a nuclear blast that incinerated Washington, D.C., And it's interesting in the scriptures that this word here turns Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, that the phrase into ashes is the Greek word tephro, which means to incinerate, consume. thought that's very interesting, but it doesn't stop there. It also goes to say that in turning the cities, the plurality, the cities, there were five others, Of Sodom and Gomorrah, America is operating in the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah today by our policy, our legislation, by our social conduct, okay? So he turned it into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow. The word overthrow there is the Greek word catastrophe, catastrophe. And that word means the extinction of of a spirit of consecration, of the extinction of a spirit of consecration. So it also means an overturn, a catastrophe, a demolition, a demolition. On 9-11, people think and believe that there was a great demolition that took place in New York City on 9-11-2001. When building number seven and the Twin Towers came crashing to the ground, they called that a demolition. Well, this overthrow literally means destruction. Catastrophe is the actual Greek word, a demolition. All right, so there you have it. So we see here, in the turning of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example or an example, a pattern, unto those that after should live ungodly. So it's pretty Amazing. I don't know how to really put it. It's pretty audacious for the United States of America, a Christian, a Judeo-Christian nation, spoken of twice in the Supreme Court to be a Christian nation, that today we have built up policy through our legislation that literally is the DNA of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's audacious to think we can do that without being afflicted. So whoever it is that God is going to raise up, I just want you to know that the Bible declares that there is going to be a raising up in Washington, D.C. and several other cities in America are going to be shut down because of the devastation, because of the catastrophe that is going to happen in the major cities. The problem is when this happens and you get caught in a major city at this time, which has been warned for years, by the way, is not a new warning, but there's been a forewarning. Jeremiah warned his generation for 40 years before the judgment actually came. But the problem is if you're caught in a city at this time, what you're going to have to go through 
is unthinkable. Unthinkable. Because right now they're pushing bills. Right now, today, they're, they're pushing bills to prevent police from actually policing the cities. They're restricting police. And a time is coming in the inner cities with anarchy and catastrophe and civil disobedience will turn into chaos and there will be no police intervention. And that's what you and I have to be thinking about. And we don't want to think about it. We don't want to believe that. But going back to the article, if you are a Christian, how could you want to continue to live in Sodom and Gomorrah? The Bible says that Lot his righteous soul was vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked. That's what the word of God says. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, have a greater righteousness than Lot. And are we not vexed every day by the things that we see going on in our society? The perverse, depraved things that take place all around us, and then to know that a federal government is empowering this depravity by legislating into our society this kind of evil. And we Christians are supposed to sit back and do nothing and go along with it, because if we don't go along with it, now we are domestic terrorists. I rebuke that. I rebuke that very thought, that narrative, and I condemn that narrative. As a Christian, as an American, as a moral individual, you should have an outcry in your heart against the evil that is going on in our society. The people in Israel should have done the same thing, but they were so turned over to the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah, they became so much like them, they turned away from God that they became, and therefore God needed to send the judgment. And I believe judgment is coming to America, 60 years. God has stood by. Mercy has been granted. The call to repentance has been there. And then in Isaiah chapter 1, he says, why should I reprove you anymore? How many reproofs have we experienced since 9-11-2001? One catastrophe after another in major cities in our land, whether they be fires burning in California or hurricanes or F5 tornadoes or school shootings or mass shootings. I mean, go down the list since 9-11-2001, and you'll see one blow after another. Then in Isaiah, God says through the prophet, why should I strike you anymore? Why should I discipline you anymore? You'll only revolt more and more. So the idea is now that you are uncorrectable, I need to turn you over to judgment that will break you because you're not listening anymore. America, you're not listening anymore. Federal government in America, you're not listening anymore. And you're allowing this evil. So God is going to send against America a force that is going to reduce it. Into, uh, in, in, what is the word that we use? Incinerate cities. And I know we can't fathom that. That's never happened before. We can't even begin to imagine what that is like. But it's happened before. There is a general pattern of Scripture. America is no different than any other nation that has risen up and revolted against God and rebelled against God. And we are losing the moral battle. We are losing the spiritual battle. And our nation is divided. And Jesus said a house divided cannot stand. Now, wait a second. All right, wait a second, Pastor Vince. Too far, too far. Well, let's balance it now, okay? 
you're born again, you love the Lord, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you have to live out your days on this earth in the blessing, in the glory, in the power of Jesus Christ. Right now, you can do that pretty easily. The days that lie ahead may not be so easy to do that, but nonetheless, you will always carry the cargo of Christ. You will always carry the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to direct you through the mess that is coming on this earth. You're entering into that time of sorrow, the multiplication, the acceleration of the labor pains of a woman in travail. You're entering deeper into the time of sorrows that is leading to a time of great tribulation. And you don't need to be told fairy tales to be able to handle it. You need to be told the truth and prepare for it. God didn't tell Noah fairy tales. He said, no, it's coming, and you need to do something. You need to prepare your ark. And any Christian that is hearing this message right now that refuses to prepare because you've been turned into fables and fairy tales, you know, I weep for you. I'm concerned for you. I care about you. But if you're not doing anything to prepare, if you're not seeking, searching, praying, God, what am I going to do in the days ahead? I, I really do. I fear for you. And so this is the uncomfortable message that we're bringing forth here today. And I get it. It is uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable message. Nonetheless, it's biblical and it's true and it's, it's pounding at the door right now. It's pounding at the door. And you and I have to wake up and become aware and we need to find out where we sit in all this. Where do we, where, where's our life to be lived out in this moment? Where's our life to be lived out? What are we to do right now? Bite our fingernails and be afraid? No, no. We are to be praying and seeking the direction and the wisdom of God for this hour. What part do we play? What should happen in the United States of America? I'm going to be very honest with you. With the demonic evil that is going on in the upper echelons of government in this land and around the world and the, all the things that are happening that the Bible calls an abomination, those million people that were accused of being terrorists, they should have taken Washington, D.C. on January 6th. That's what they should have done. They should have taken control of Washington, D.C. on January 6th, like they were accused of being the riotous mob, which they weren't. But because of this wicked narrative that we're hearing and seeing and that they're spewing out, the right thing for the American people to have done on January 6th, knowing that how wicked this really is, we should have just taken over Washington, D.C. And maybe the time will come in America that the moral people in this country, the Americans who love one nation under God, the people that are... Americans who understand the founding fathers and the intrinsic value of being an American, maybe those people one day will do what the founding fathers said in the Declaration of Independence. When you see this kind of evil guard, you are to dismiss yourself from them, and I'm paraphrasing, and you're to overthrow that guard and put in new guards that will protect the society. That's the Declaration of Independence, and maybe the American people will have an opportunity to do that one day. But right now, it seems like everybody's afraid. Everybody's quiet. Everybody is kind of 
capitulating and going along with the flow and, you know, just letting things take their course. And I think this is, this is dangerous. So in, if you go back 200 years in our, in our country and the things that are going on right now in this nation, I mean, what would happen? The people would have revolted. Now we're just being accused of being a mob and being domestic terrorists. But who's making the accusation? Leftists, socialists, communists, people that say God's word has no place in this house of representatives. Are you kidding me? Who's in control right now? Who's making the decisions? And so maybe the people in this country will find some leadership and maybe there will be a plan and maybe we could do what the founding fathers said we needed to do. We shouldn't have leaders in Washington, D.C. promoting abominable things. We should have never licensed 90 million innocent babies' blood being shed. We should have never legalized men marrying men and women marrying women. We should have never done that. That's not who we are. If people want to live those lifestyles and do that, well, there's people that did that from the beginning of time, but you don't legalize that in society You don't make that normal and then persecute people that don't want that in society because they know how it will affect the psychology of their children. Come on, folks. I mean, mean, it's just so obvious, but nobody's really doing anything, right? And anybody that stands up to do, even just go to a peaceful rally on January 6th, the roar comes against all these evil people that showed up there. So what should have happened Now 2020 vision, right? Looking back, those million people or so should have just taken over D.C. that day. You still have National Guard troops there. You have people on high alert. You have people afraid. Our country is looking like some third world, you know, military power protecting D.C. I mean, we may as well have just taken it over on that day. And then we would have seen martial law come come in. And then they would have worked out the whole election fraud issue and made everybody hear the legal cases. And, you know, maybe things would have been a little different. Only God knows. But you're being accused of something you never did. And it appears right now that the takeover is so hostile against American citizens that are being called deplorables. They're being called, I mean, what are the other names? not fit for polite society, need to be de-radicalized and reprogrammed. I mean, it's really ugly what's happening in our country today, but it is a pure sign of the righteous judgment of God upon a nation, a sleepy church that went for formulas of success and limelights and big stages and became silent when we should have been a compass to this nation, warning, and all the sound of the warning prophets was drowned out by the prosperity message, and here we sit. The church has helped support the homosexual agenda, abortion. We now have mainline denominations that have homosexual pastors and lesbian pastors. It's getting so far beyond. It's so out of control And I think a lot of people are wondering, what do I do? How do I live right now? What do I do in this society? And you're being told what to do by the narrative. Sit down, shut up, go with the flow, or else you're going to be harassed or worse. 
That's not the America that the founding fathers fought for. That's not the America that the revolution was fought for. This is not the country, the Christian nation. We didn't have mosques and Hindu temples throughout our nation. We had churches. We didn't have a Koran or a book of philosophy. We had a Bible. That Bible was read in our governmental halls. It was, on, it was mandatory in our public schools. What has happened to us? Sin. Sin is what has happened to our country. Sin is what made the church ineffective. Right now, the prophecy of Jesus, if a salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing, but be tread down under the foot of men. Is the church ready to be trodden under the foot of the godless regime that is in power today and a world that is being influenced by this narrative and deception and darkness? Are we ready for the lawless society that the apostles warned us about? A time of lawlessness and the lawless one coming to lead the way? Well, you're witnessing it. The laws of God being replaced with the laws of Antichrist. You're witnessing it. It's all around us. It's not a big deal. It's biblical. It just shows the wisdom of Scripture. So then how shall we live? Should we just put away the microphone, shut down, and go and just live a quiet, peaceful life as long as we can? Or does God want the warning to go forth? And then if you sit and you've, you've been warned for how long and have done nothing, that's not healthy. But what are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Isn't that what people are asking everywhere right now? And everybody, the, pre, the preachers out there are, pre, are preaching the second coming of Donald Trump rather than the second coming of Jesus Christ. My God, we don't know what to do without Donald Trump. That's what everybody's saying. We don't know what to do without Donald Trump. We have no leadership without Donald Trump. Well, wait a second. Who is the commander-in-chief of the armies of God? Is it not Jesus Christ? Can he not guide and lead us by his Holy Spirit and give us wisdom, knowledge, revelation, and to maintain our love in spite of the things that we see in our society that we are called to literally hate? Not people, but the things that we see. So it's a very unique moment in the history of the world, isn't it? It's a very unique time in this country. And you and I need answers. Am I supposed to feel threatened because I'm preaching the gospel and telling the truth and forewarning of a judgment that's going to hit Washington, D.C. and several other cities in this country? The catastrophe is coming to the cities, and if you get stuck in one of them, man, it's going to be a nightmare. Should I feel awkward about saying that? When God forewarns it in his word over and over and over again, I don't think it's not, it's not the most pleasant thing to be ministering. It's not the most pleasant thing to preach. But it's true, nonetheless. Joe Biden um, supposedly wants everybody in the United States of America vaccinated. We talked about that yesterday. We've been talking about it for a while. The forced vaccinations may be coming or forced in the sense that you can't get on that airplane if you don't have a certificate of vaccination. You can't come into the store and shop if you don't have that certificate of vaccination. I personally do not believe it's the mark of the beast, but it's certainly something that would perk everybody's ears up. No, we're not going to force you to take it, but 
you won't be able to operate in this society without it. You will not be able to hold a religious service called a church gathering. You will not be able to have your choir on the stage and sing. You will not be able to gather together in worship legally without a certificate of vaccination. Is that coming? Is it coming fast? Is it coming swift? People are saying, well, no, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to take that. Okay. How are you going to live? If it, if it becomes like that, how are you going to live? What are you going to do? I'd like to open the telephone lines right now. The number is open, 818-369-0326. 818-369-0326 is the number to call. You know, if you've been following this message for the last 20 years or so, this is not new information. We haven't shifted our thinking at all about what we know God's word says. And Jerry Nadler may say that God's word has no place in our house, but I'm going to tell Jerry Nadler, it will have its way. You will perish, but God's word will be forever. How dare you say that the word of God has no place in the people that were elected by the people? How dare you? say such a blasphemous thing and you will find that you're wrong you are wrong god's word will have a place in our society in washington dc in your house and in your own life god's word will speak and that's the truth waiting for your call 818-369-0326 along the way let's say good morning to a few friends on our chat room And uh, we already said good morning to a number of you, but let's go back and say once again, Kevin Hauger, good morning. Mark Thoth Alkem, Bokertov from Mexico. Uh, Cindy, good morning to you. Uh, David Ellison, Melissa Fletcher, good morning to both of you as well. Carol Carey, good morning to you. And I want to say good morning to Laquita. God bless you, Laquita. Sarah Anchorman from San Diego, welcome to you. Um, some good commentary going on out there and let's go to, uh, Sarah says, my friend shared an article this morning about how the national guard are on high alert today, expecting an attack from a militia group. Yeah. Well, you know, false flag events, they could blame anybody they want. Probably those domestic terrorists, those conservative white Christian Trump supporters who believe in the Bible, Yeah, they might be blamed, just like Nero blamed the Christians in the fires of Rome, right? All right, so Melissa says, for those in Congress saying God's word has no place in that house, they are in essence speaking judgment against themselves and America. I agree. Our words speak life or death. They are pronouncing death. God will not be mocked. Their pride and arrogance will be their destruction according to God's word. You're absolutely right, and that's biblical, that God will burn them up, no doubt. Uh, Kevin says, what they do reflects on us as a nation. God knows his followers and punishment comes, and we must be prepared to be where God directs us to be saved from the coming punishment. I believe that. That's why God told Lot, get out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Get into your ark, Noah. There's always movement involved. Mark says they are called terrorists. So the... Uh, The Patriot Act, the Baloney Patriot Act, can be used against them for the suppression of all rights. Typo, okay, Armageddon, sorry. I actually think the Democrat leaders doing this are truly possessed 
legion, for we are many. An ancient legion was 5,800 soldiers. Yes, they are possessed by the demonic narrative. There's no doubt about that. Their minds have been taken over. Uh, Kevin says the government is going to sling the mud of lies to protect their agenda and movement on eliminate eliminate our rights. So we're talking about the elimination of the rights of the people. Uh, Keith Carey says January 6th, our group was at the Washington Monument hearing President Trump. The terrorists were funded by CNN and the woman, a 14 year Navy veteran that was killed, thought spec forces did it. Special forces did it. Probably right. I probably just missed you, Keith. We were there as well at the Washington Monument. Uh, Kevin says they still are destroying cities and police buildings. I mean, but that's not even the real catastrophe that's coming. We're talking incineration, but you're right, Kevin. It's true. Uh, David says, I heard the Biden administration is in a bunker, not at the White House, according to John Moore. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. I'd love to take another trip to Washington, D.C. and see how the city fares. Maybe drop a few words while we're there. You're still allowed to do that, aren't you? The freedom of speech. We still have that right, don't we? To prophesy and to speak what God has to say. Well, time will tell. Uh, Sarah says Biden just signed an executive order to fund worldwide abortion. Thank you, Mr. Biden. Signed another bill to sponsor worldwide abortion. Way to go, Joe. Kathy Brun says, good morning. Speak the truth. It will set us free from all this false hope that many are speaking. We've been doing it as long as God gives us the grace. Kathy, thanks for calling in from South Dakota. Mark says, the founders of the USA use this Latin motto, spes mia in dio est, which means my hope is in God. Hallelujah. Can you believe Joe Biden just did that, Mark? That's amazing. Wow. Keith Carey, what chapter and verses? Is pastor in? Okay, I was in Second Peter chapter two. David, look what happened to Rome. Okay, we go on. Rome rebelled and tortured Jesus. God took Rome down. Same for USA. Totally agree. Jesse is with us online. Jesse Jernigan. We can do everything to prepare in the physical realm, but if we are not spiritually preparing, then all the stocking up and getting ready physically won't matter. We 1 billion percent agree, Jesse. Well said. It's always a spiritual, solical, then a physical preparation of our lives, no doubt. Mark says, finally, in 476, the Germanic leader, Odysseur, staged a revolt. From then on, no Roman emperor would ever again rule Italy, leading many to cite 476 as the year the Western Empire suffered its death blow the end of the Roman Empire. Awesome information, Mark. Thank you. All right. Keith Carey says the vaccine. I am at peace to receive it and carry the card. But, but if they decide on a visual body ID for the vaccine, then no, refuse the mark of the beast. Just saying off our subject. Keith, you just probably sent a windstorm through this chat room that you're willing to take the vaccination. A lot of people would say not to do that. Janet Ruth, preach it. All right, we're doing that. Jesse says, I would rather be spiritually prepared and have nothing in the physical realm than having so much in the physical but spiritually poor. Again, we totally agree. However, the good news is spirit, soul, and body, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, should be prepared. Now, Mark says, it is not a vaccine. 
Moderna admits it is an operating system, meaning it will reprogram you as a biological computer. COVID has 99.79999 survival rate. By the way, this guy, Charles Schwab, I think that has the economic forum in Davos, Switzerland. He was just seen on video talking about the integration of the digital biological human integration. Oh my gosh, they are making robots. And maybe there is something in the vaccine that people should be aware of. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit what you need to do. Melissa Fletcher says, don't forget uh, Neanderthals for those who don't stand behind the mask and vaccine agenda. Yes, Joe Biden, the make-believe president, said that you're a Neanderthal if you don't wear a mask and don't go along with the vaccinations. Heard him say it myself. 100 years from now, we are all gone anyway. Never fear death. It's inevitable. Well, there will be some alive and remaining when the Lord returns. I'm hoping to be one of them as we endure the great tribulation. So we don't, mind, we don't, we don't harbor a mind of death. Well, we harbor the mind of life. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. What an amazing time to be alive. Um, the word holy in Hebrew is kodesh, meaning set apart. Be set apart from the evil of this world. There's an answer. There's an answer. Be set apart. Keith Carey says, you're right on, Pastor. Amen. How shall we live? It's a good question. David Ellison, the vaccine is the COVID virus. It has HIV and stem cells from aborted babies. When the baby, when the body comes into contact with COVID or any other virus, the body turns on itself and you die. It also changes your DNA. All right. That's coming from David Ellison. Kevin says, always be prepared for if not, you cannot help others. You may be the only one, only near the end that can help, that can lead people that Jesus. In other words, Kevin's saying, prepare yourself. You'll be in a position to help others. Amen. Sandra Matlow says, the world has forgotten about God. It seems like we're all living in Lot's days. We certainly are. And in the days of Lot, God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. The word overthrew is catastrophe and reduced it to ashes means it was incinerated, those cities. I have a sense that incineration is coming back into and on the world stage. Uh, that's going to be a no for me, the CV vaccine, Sarah says. Kevin Hauger, this world is man-led. Man is king. Man is God. Hence, they need no God. That's where we're coming, isn't it? Keith Carey says, is that the Pfizer or any vaccine, David, to get the appointment? They ask if you have had any reaction to the chemicals in the vaccine without the card, no travel, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And your jobs will be taken away if you don't get it. You know what it sounds like on this chat forum that you people actually are listening, studying and sharing information with one another like you understand and know. So I'm only a confirmation to what you already know, and that's really, really good. Me and my family, says Sandra Matlow, will not be getting it. Pfizer Vax has potassium chloride, which is what stops your heart in a lethal injection. Look it up. We actually have a friend of ours, Sister Peggy, who had a shot of that potassium into her heart many years ago that created an affibulation. She could tell us all about that. Kevin Hauger says, this world is man-led. He said that before. I saw this coming long ago and live on a 40-foot ocean going sailboat in Mexico. Yeah, Mark. It's coming, and it's coming swift, accelerating. Two intentions are accelerating at the same time. 
intention of the enemy and the intention of God. What side of this shift are you on? That's the biggest question. All right, Sarah Ankerman said this was a total false flag that's coming. I agree. Remember, 99.7999 survival rate, biggest hoax since Orson Welles' War on the Worlds. Yeah, probably. Sandra Matlow, I watched your Bible study last night. It was a great service. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate that. We did our best. Revelation 19. I loved it personally. Uh, BLM member John Sullivan got 30000 from CNN for his video. Yeah, they were very much involved on January 6th. I despise the murder of the unborn. Fetus is Latin for offspring. Yeah, they've murdered a lot of offspring, haven't they? Innocent blood is on their hands. Uh, Ms. Sarah says, exactly, Mark. It's not a vaccine. It literally changes how your cells fight off future infection and begin to attack itself. Our hope needs to be in God, not man. How many of you are ready for a blood transfusion? The blood of Yeshua right into you. That's your antidote against what's going on in the world today. I believe that as well. Sarah says, uh, Sandra Matlow, 100%, it's a precursor. It's training and desensitizing people to eventually take it. And again, going back to what Mark said, because we're all being so dumbed down by the fluoride. All right, so we got a lot of true Davids. Your name, David, in Hebrew is beloved. Joyce Young, no experimental vaccine for me. All right, Joyce has joined the conversation. So there you have it. We're an hour into the conversation. I'm going to read to you what today's description for the program said. When destruction comes, while many await the great destruction upon the land, few are prepared for what will follow. A time of anarchy and civil unrest will turn into full-blown chaos, wickedness, and death. Cities will be shut down, and no one will go in or out, but those within will have to survive without the help or protection of the police department or any other agency. The darkness shall come quickly, and those caught in the snare will enter into a time of sorrow as they have never known. The question is, as always, are you ready. Has it happened before? Many precedences have been set. And the answer is yes to the question. Will it happen again? The answer is yes. Are we warning about it coming? The answer is yes. What do you do on a nuclear 9-11? How do you survive? How did people just survive the last year of a COVID-19 ordeal? How did you fare? Did you have toilet paper up front? How did it do? What was the suicide rate among young people that committed suicide because they couldn't go to school? It rose exponentially. What implementations to the new world order were made while everybody was caught off guard and looking at this COVID-19 thing? What was happening in the world global movement of the satanic priesthood? while people were not going to church and not worshiping and not going to work and not going shopping and everybody was fearing and terrorized at home because they didn't want to die. What implementations were made? I have a feeling you're going to see a few and they're not going to be good. Well, in the midst of all this, there are some amazing stories. You may or may not like the, indiv- the individual that I'm going to share with you right now, but his eight-minute story was inspiring to me. He gave God the glory 
It's not a perfect story, but it's a good story. And I give this to you for one reason. As I said at the beginning, in the midst of the chaos, there is opportunity. Listen to this story. I hope I can find it here. Let's see if I can. Let me open it up. Give me just one moment. And I want to get over here. And let me see. Get to this. All right. I'm going to just stop it here for a moment. I want to boost up the volume. And I'm going to share this on the screen. So let me reduce it. And let me share it. And you're going to know the individual. We'll share the screen. And I want you to hear the story to inspire you in the midst of everything. Balance. Balance is the key to everything. Mm. Okay. All right. So this is the one we need to share in Hotel Park. And let me find out where that's at here. For some reason, I want to share. Okay. So it's worth the wait. Hold on one second. I'm sorry about doing it this way. And we're looking here at the face. Okay. All right. You ready? Here it is. Enjoy. Parking lots. What was I going to do? I didn't have nowhere to stay, so I lived in the car. I had $35. And I said, come on, God, man. I've been trying to make this dream come true. You done left me out here like this. And I was crying so hard that he just said, I didn't, like, hear a voice or nothing. But he spoke to me. And however, he said, if you get up, I'm going to take you places you ain't never been. Now, I was finna to quit. So I said, skip it. I'm going to quit anyway. So I got in my car. I went to a pay phone. And I was going to call my dad. You remember back in the day where you could punch in a code and call your answering machine and get your messages? So I called. And I punched in the code. And the, he said, doop. He said, hey, Steve, this is Chuck Sutton with Showtime at the Apollo. We saw a tape of you. You're very funny. If you could get here Sunday night. Uh, we'd love to put you on television. Call me back. Let me know if you can make it. So I hung the phone up. I'm crushed. Because my whole dream of being on TV, and I couldn't get to New York. I got $35. How am I going to get to New York? I can't make it. So I'm standing there at the phone booth, and tears just coming down my face. I said, God, so that must be a sign for me to go home. Because this it. I ain't even got the money to go to the Apollo. My whole thing, I wanted to be on TV. I couldn't even make the dream come true. I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is the most messed up moment. And so I said, man, let me call this dude back and see if he said this Sunday. Because maybe he said next Sunday and I can hustle up a little bit of money or something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but let me just call him back. So I call him back. See this Chuck Sutton Showtime at the Apollo. We saw a tape of yours. You're very, very funny. Look, we have an opening Sunday night at Showtime at the Apollo. If you can make it, we'd love to put you on TV. I said, it's this Sunday. Before I hit the button, I heard, Doop! you have another message. Now, it wasn't there before. So I punched my code in. I listened to the second message. It said, Steve Harvey, this is Tom Sobel from the Comedy Caravan. I had, this was a Thursday. He said, I have a gig in Jacksonville, Florida on Friday night that pays $150. If you can get there Friday night, you'll make $150. Well, 
So I, I called him back and I said, hey, Tom, did you get a gig away? He said, no, it's still available. He said, can you get that? I said, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. I'm three and a half hours away. So I drive to Jacksonville, Florida, and that night I killed. I made the 150. Club owner said, man, you funnier than the guy we hired. If you stay tomorrow night, I'm going to give you another $150. So now I got $300 now. So I get on the phone. I call Chuck Sutton. I say, hey, man, is the gig still available at Showtime at the Apollo? He said, yeah, we got one opening left. I said, I'll be there. So I called Eastern Airlines, who used to be open back then. They had a special for $99 going from Jacksonville, Florida to New York round trip. So I parked my car at the airport. I got it. Got on. Got on playing flute. Everything I had was in two bags. Got to the Apollo. I said, hey, man, I'm here. I got there at 11 o'clock in the morning. He said, you can't stay here because you don't come on to the late show tonight. I said, man, I ain't got nowhere to go. I said, if you just let me stay in this building, man, I ain't going to move around nothing. I ain't got nowhere to go. I'm in Harlem. I can't go back out here. I got these two bags. I got victim wrote all over me, man. So he said, all right, if you go upstairs, don't come down. So he put me in the dressing room on the sixth floor. So that's where all the comedians were. So I stayed up there. I got hungry around 3 o'clock, and I couldn't take it no more. So I went back downstairs, dude named Alton Liston. I said, hey, man. He said, man, I thought I told you don't come down them damn steps. I said, hey, man, I'm just hungry, man. I said, let me go to that KFC I saw in the corner. Just let me get some chicken. I'll come right back. He said, man, if you ain't back in 20 minutes, you ain't getting in this building. So I went, bought me some chicken, came back. So the comedians started coming in the building. They started coming up on the sixth floor. So I meet this guy named D.L. Hugo. I introduced myself. He introduced himself. Then this other dude walked in named Jamie Foxx. And I introduced myself. We don't know each other. Ain't none of us famous. It's 1991, man. They gave everybody the lineup. I was on the last show of the night. I don't go on to 11 at night. I done had this, this four pieces of chicken. I'm starving, man. That chicken done wore off. I'm nervous, man. I'm about to throw up. D.O. Hughley went downstairs. D.O. Hughley got booed off. Jamie Foxx went down there and got booed. They booed Jamie, then Jamie started singing. And then they started clapping. And Jamie had their ass, then he went back to them jokes, and they got his ass. So I'm walking down the steps, and I see Jamie sitting on the steps. I said, hey, man, hang in there. He said, man, that ain't never happened to me before, man. This is crazy. This Jamie Foxx, man, one of the most talented people in all of comedy. And now, you don't even know how nervous I am. Man. I can't even. My breathing is shot because these dudes been booed. So I walk out. I had wrote this joke. Uh, 
Mike Tyson had got in a fight in Harlem with this heavyweight named Mitch Green. Mike Tyson had hit the dude in the eye in the store. Now, he was on the news. His eye was swollen. So the joke I wrote was they was interviewing Mitch Green, and he was telling everybody what happened, but his eye took over the interview. And I wrote this joke that his eye started talking and was just, i tell you what happened. The heavyweight champ's fist is coming towards my face. I just said, Lord, Lord, Lord. And I wrote this whole joke about this dude's eyeball talking. And when the punch came, and all this here, the Apollo, man, they went crazy. They lost their mind. I got a standing ovation, man. I walked off stage. I walked off stage, man, just started crying. I couldn't believe it. They paid me. I made $750 for being on TV for one night. I'd never made $750 telling jokes in one night. And so that was my first television appearance. A couple weeks later, Sinbad was the host of the show. He got this job at, on a different world. And so he quit. And so Mark Curry became the host. And then Mark Curry got hanging with Mr. Cooper. And he quit. And they came to me and said, would you come back to New York and host Amateur Night for us to just try you out? Oh, ain't no problem. So I went to New York. I hosted Amateur Night. And I was killing. But every time I went to commercial break, I was supposed to let the warm-up act take over like Ruben does. But I knew not to let the warm-up act do that because he would change the attitude of the crowd because Apollo was a wild place. So I stayed out there. I did the warm-up and the host. And I created a bond with that audience. And that's how I got on TV. It was my very first TV show. I hosted Showtime at Apollo. I ended up being the longest-running host in the history of Showtime. I did that show for eight years. Nobody ever did it for eight years. And that was my turn-back moment. See, in your life, everybody has a turn back moment. You have a moment where you can go forward or you can give up. But the thing you have to keep in mind before you give up is that if you give up, the guarantee is it will never happen. That's the guarantee of quitting, that it will never happen, no way under the sun. The only way the possibility remains that it can happen is if you never give up no matter what. Because God is always coming. He's never too late. At at your worst moment, look, man, when they told me I had to be in New York, I saw no way I could get there. But that God, though, he make the phone ring. I end up in Florida, I make $300. Then I go to New York, I make $750. Almost got $1,000. Out of nowhere. That's that's what happened to me. That was my my moment of never giving up. That's when I first learned that faith was everything, that that you have to remain faithful. All right. So I thought I wanted to share that with you because I think it's a great story. And what it reminds it reminded me of personally is how 30 some odd years ago in San Diego, California, while I was driving this old car that always had flat tires on it. 
The reason why my car always had flat tires on it is because my aunt Sonia used to pray for my car to get flat tires because I was always going places I wasn't supposed to go. And my car was always having a flat. So Aunt Sonia came and talked to me one day and she said to me, Vincent, never give up. There wasn't a Winston Churchill moment. I didn't even know who Winston Churchill was at the time. But my aunt told me, don't you ever give up. And when I heard this story with Steve Harvey about not giving up, you know, the only dream that I have is to honor the Lord, quite frankly, to live, to preach the gospel with the anointing, with the grace, to equip and prepare God's people. But I know way back then, if I had given up in my faith, if I had given up in my hope, that the life that God gave me these last 30 years would never have existed, never would have existed. But God has given me a life because I didn't give up. And I don't plan on giving up now just because evil people are bringing terrible stuff into this world. I plan on being separated and holy and walking with God without fear. How about you? I don't plan on giving up because the devil is coming. I don't plan on giving up because Jerry Nadler doesn't like the word of God. I don't plan on giving up. Speaking the truth in love and warning and allowing all of the grace of God and the anointing of God. And I played that today because it inspired me, but I wanted to inspire you as well. You don't give up. You pray and you find an answer. Maybe you're going to be the one. Maybe you're going to be the one that ignites a movement in this nation. That will, I mean, it won't be a lighthearted thing. I mean something so powerful. Maybe. A movement on the behalf of God's kids, some direction, wisdom, knowledge, an understanding that just hits the nation. Don't you give up. You're having a tough time in a relationship? Don't give up. You're having a hard time at the workplace? People are harassing you. They want you to quit. Don't you quit. Don't you ever quit. And don't you ever give up. You are a son. You are a daughter of almighty God. You have a future. And that's what Revelation 19 is all about. Your future. You have a future and a hope. Isaiah 29, 11 tells us we have a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. That was at a time when Israel was about to be wiped out. Yet he's telling a remnant. I have plans for you. So whatever's going on in the world, whatever we see, whatever we experience, whatever happens in this world, don't you ever give up in your relationship who is your father and Jesus Christ who came to reconcile you back to him and the Holy Spirit that's been ordained by God to be with you forever. Don't you ever give up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And I do believe the things that we are saying are going to happen in this country and around the world. The Bible says it. I just believe that the timing of it is our generation. But that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean that we throw in the towel. That doesn't mean we turn back. And you know what's really unfortunate in these days? Many are going to apostatize. Many are going to turn back. The love of many is going to wax cold. But don't let it happen to you. Don't be surprised by anything. And every day that you have light to live an abundant life, then do it. 
every day that the light is shining and you could go about as a free being in the, in the, in the, in the reality of Christ, do it. Live the life that God has given you. Do with this moment today, whatever God puts in your heart to do, share the gospel with someone. Tell somebody your testimony. Get involved and do whatever. If you're going to get married, get married. If you're having children, have a children. You're going to get a house, get a house. In other words, keep living. The Bible says that in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Listen, life is going to go on no matter what. You don't have to stop living because the end times are here. You don't have to stop hoping for God's blessing and benefit in your life. I know people listening right now that I've known in the last 10 years that understood these end times, but they've been blessed by God and benefited by God more than they ever dreamed. They didn't allow their understanding of the end times to block the glory of God from manifesting in their lives. If God wants to bless you, let God bless you. But remember, when the blessing comes, to always keep your eye on him. Be thankful for everything. Enjoy the benefit of life existing. Get yourself, maybe you're having health problems. Get yourself cleaned up before the Lord. By his stripes, you are healed. Go on a diet. You've been eating too much. You gain a little winter wear. Rather than feeling disgusted, go on a little diet, break it, and and lose a little weight. Start exercising a little bit while you can. You have an investment, you want to put an investment into something, go ahead and invest as long as you think the Holy Spirit's telling you to do it. Your greatest investment will always be in the kingdom of God. I believe that with all of my heart. I've never invested in anything in this world. All my investment went into the kingdom. My tithes, my offerings, my giving, always in the kingdom. I think one time I was convinced by a friend to put some money into some currency thing, And it didn't work. And it wasn't a lot of money, thank God. No, no, no. The investment is into the kingdom. You can actually invest in this radio broadcast if you'd like to. You might say, you know what? I want to invest in this ministry. Do it. Whatever God tells you to do. Whatever God tells you to do. I want to travel down to Mexico and see my friend Mark. Do it. I want to go to Europe and see what it's like while I can. I want to travel and see. Do it. In other words, be led by the Holy Spirit, live an abundant life. Don't be ignorant about what is going on around and about. Always seek to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. But then live. If you have a deep calling from God, if God's called you to be a preacher of the gospel, a great evangelist, whatever, go for it. You just heard Steve Harvey was ready to give up. But he called out to God. And I'm telling you today, don't give up on anything. Because the darkness has never and will never overcome the light. There may be a momentary eclipse, but it will never overcome the light. And the light that is in you is greater than any light in the universe, in all realms of existence. And that light is truth. That light is Christ, so burn brightly. Let the outray and the display of the glory of Jesus Christ manifest in your life. Man, I I believe that we're here at such a time on purpose. 
I just believe we're here not to complain, not to worry, not to be afraid. We're here on purpose to know and understand. And what does it all mean? An interpretation, please. What does this all mean? Everything going on in this world. Is it the same as it's always been, like the scoffers will say in the last days? No, there's something happening. Israel became a nation within our generation. We're moving into the year 5781. Pack your bags, a time of pressure and distress. That's interesting. I mean, there's so much. We have like a little thimble of the entirety. I mean, there's so much. And what a great time to be alive. As my brother always says to me, I'm giddy about it. I'm giddy about it. We should be giddy. And we should be aggressive. And we should not be passive. And we should not come under the people like Jerry Nadler or anybody else in this government that insists that we should be silent and shut up and not be Neanderthals and stand up for our country. Shame on anybody that says such a things, or greater shame to capitulate to such a mandate. That's horrible. Now stand up, speak the truth, shout it from the housetops. They lied about January 6th. They are liars about it. They are hypocrites about it. In light of the nine months that preceded that day and what should have happened on January 6th, knowing now what they're doing, we should have taken the city. We should have occupied every building in Washington, D.C. and not left until that election was weighed by judges in the Supreme Court and every other city or state that was involved in the fraud. And then when there was a judgment based upon the facts then things could have got back to normal. That's what we should have done. But that's hindsight now. Now you have Joe Biden passing a universal law for abortion, and you know it's going to go full-term abortion. Shame. Shame on this. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to give up, and neither should you. And when righteous judgment falls, stand back, get out of the way, and say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for releasing your weapons of war against a hideous, wicked movement in this country and around the world. Unfortunately, there is a growing global agenda for a one-world government. That time will come, and there will be an overcoming of the saints. You won't be able to do anything. That's not right now. Right now, do something. Do something, and if you don't know what to do, pray and ask God what to do. You may feel like, man, nobody even knows my name. I have no sphere of influence. I got 30 people following me. So what? Do what you can. Do what God has told you to do with all your heart as unto the Lord. Let him take care of the rest. It won't be insignificant if it's from the Lord. It won't be insignificant. Oh, man. We've got a lot of comments that came in here, but unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, I want to save these comments. I'll be going back to them. That's it for me, folks. Have a great Thursday. I'll see you Friday. This is Pastor Vince right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's a roundtable discussion. My beloved wife, Patricia Joy, is leading that conversation. I hope you'll go there. Again, omegaradio.org, 24 hours, seven days a week. All right.
Ah, my flesh wants to start a militia, (laughs) says Brother Keith. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless everybody. Have a blessed day in Jesus' name.